It's the next level. We live in an era when our cities are armed with steel and concrete. Computers and electronics barricade our minds. It doesn't change the fact that there exist a lot of strange phenomena, bizarre beyond reason or logic. Most folks just don't see them. That's because we cling to order, to any tiny happiness that comes our way, and we bust our humps to blind ourselves with our desires and our pleasures. There's a world of darkness out there, beyond time or space. A world filled with evil that is undeniably real. And in that world, there are things that run wild. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. All my films have some kind of statement about something, but I have to code it with entertainment to make it palatable. Otherwise, it becomes a polemic, and people don't want to see it. If you're trying to get a message out to people, you've got to entertain them at the same time. Larry Cohen. July 15th, 1941 to March 24th, 2019. And on with the show. Which, my apologies, I know. Kind of started that off on a down note. You'll, well, you'll understand more in a minute. <laughs> um, but hey, welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Network production of What, what Lurks, Lurks Behind, Behind Podcast, Podcast Zero. Zero. This week, uh, another listener request from Justin Voorhees on Instagram. And wow, do we have an episode this week. Um, This episode actually, um, interestingly enough, it's kind of inspired me. Um, In the coming weeks, you're going to start to notice the show kind of take a different direction. I mean, we're still going to be talking about horror movies, (laughs) me and all my multiple personalities. Um, But, you know, there's something I've come to realize is that the first year of this podcast, I've spent a lot of time talking about movies that I love. So every movie has had a rating of, you know, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And (laughs) it's kind of hard for me as a fan of horror films and sci-fi films to put down movies I love. Even when I know there's something wrong with them, it's like, it's kind of hard to heckle them. It's kind of hard to pick on their nuances and whatnot. So 
this episode actually kind of awoke something in me. It, it, it has uh, tickled a certain, you know, funny bone in the beast, so to speak. This week's episode is a review on a film from 1984, a film you probably would not have expected me to review, say, a year ago when I started this. Starring Shogo Sugi and Lucinda Dickey, Ninja 3, The Domination. And as I said, it's a listener request. First, let's let's get the not-so-happy news out of the way. Uh, in the horror community over the past week, we lost two really big names. Um, as you heard at the beginning of this episode, I kind of quoted one of them. Uh, director, writer, producer, uh, a, a great name in the horror community, uh, Larry Cohen passed away. And Larry Cohen has done, um, he, well, he's famous for giving us the movie The Stuff, obviously. That, that's one of his all-time classics, which eventually will be a movie on this podcast uh, that I review. He's also done, uh, he's worked on um, films like Cube of the Winged Serpent, Winged Serpent. Ow. Uh, sorry guys, I just crawled out of my coffin to start recording this. So. <laughs> uh, trying not to sound so like sleepy and tired. Um, he also worked on Return to Salem's Lot, It's Alive, um, and of course Maniac Cop, starring a very young Bruce Campbell. Um <laughs> But yeah, Larry Cohen was um, very influential. And most people I, I saw all over social media yesterday, people were posting pictures of their little tubs they have of the stuff. Uh, because that's probably, eh, I, would, I would have to say, it's probably his most famous title uh, attached to his name. But yeah, um, he, he passed away um, suddenly. So that's a real shame. The other one we lost was, and I always butcher his last name, so I'm going to try to get it right, uh, John Carl Buechler. Um, and you might not know the name, but if I told you all the movies he's been a part of, yeah, you'd know. Um, he was the director of Friday the 13th Part 7, uh, New Blood. He was, um, he was the director on that. Uh, he did uh, visual effects for Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. And most people know him as a special effects wizard, um, kind of in the same vein as uh, Tom Savini. You know, he, he was very creative and whatnot. Uh, the titles uh, attached to his name, uh, movies like Terror Vision, Ghoulies, Halloween 4, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Friday the 13th Part 7, Demon Warp, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Bride of Reanimator, Dolls, From Beyond, and Hatchet, just to name a few like he he it, it's like i said like to hear his name you're like man eh, who is he um then i tell you the movies he's worked on and you're like oh shit like you you know you've seen at least some of those titles right and that was a real big one um between him and larry cohen i mean like it, that those are two uh, very um distinguished names in the horror community so they both passed away also i'd like to mention that uh dave hampton who was an actor in the movie The Barn. Uh, I, you might recall I did uh, an episode on The Barn back uh, episode 30, I believe it was. Uh, he passed away yesterday as well. So 
the horror community is losing some good people, and it's it's a real shame. Um, and I just wanted to I wanted to get that out of the way. I wanted to you know let you know just pass on my you know my my thoughts and whatnot. I, I hate the whole thoughts and prayers thing, but you know, um, yeah, it, we we lost some people, and felt I should acknowledge that. Um, I'm gonna jump right into Lurker's recommendation because Lurker's recommendation is also something I kind of want to talk about just briefly. Netflix. Um, some of you like it, some of you don't. Uh, <laughs> I personally, I, I like Netflix. I like it for its convenience. Um, interestingly enough, actually, I uh, was just uh, talking this past uh, week with a few friends. Uh, I don't know what made me think of it, but back in the day when I was a kid growing up, we had like different record stores here in Windsor. Uh, one of them that I uh, frequented a lot was A Records. Records and tapes, and uh, they're no longer around. Uh, like most record stores, once digital took over, they kind of they went away. Um, but anyways, it kind of brought up the whole idea of, you know, ever since digital has come around, yes, it's made our lives a lot more convenient. It's a lot more easier to consume the things we love, whether it be music, movies, books. Um, but it, it, it took away that that. Friday night going to rent some videos or, you know, Tuesdays when new music was released and you went off to the store and you bought your favorite album or CD or cassette or whatever it was you were buying at those days. And, you know, um, I, I love my Netflix. I'm not going to lie. And I love, well, I love Shudder even more, but, um, but yeah, it's not the same, you know. Um, anyways, uh, Netflix recently released um, a series, an anthology series, so to speak, um, Love, Death, and Robots. And okay, so Love, Death, and Robots is a series of animated shorts. Uh, it was brought to us by David Fincher and Tim Miller. Tim Miller, you probably know the name. Um, he gave us Deadpool. <laughs> some people like Deadpool, some don't, but... Uh, Tim Miller likes to push buttons. He likes to push the envelope. And with Love, Death, and Robots, that's exactly what they tried to do again. Uh, this time, uh, it, their big phrase is, you know, it's NSFW, not safe for work. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, how to explain it? It's like dystopian, it's cyberpunk, it's steampunk, it's it's got horror, it's got sci-fi, it's got quirky animations and it rips on the human race and <laughs> that's a nice combo for me um so yeah love death and robots 18 shorts doesn't take long to get through they all range between 6 and 17 minutes long uh some of them that stood out for me i mean there was out of the 18 there was only three i kind of didn't care for uh but the ones that really stood out uh sunny's edge which is the first one you'll watch uh, it's you know all futuristic and there's creatures and like you know battle rings it's like a fight club for monsters and stuff kind of cool um good hunting was a good one uh the secret war is wow it's a beautiful thing to look at um an interesting story as well uh beyond the aquila rift suits <laughs> suits is kind of funny um suits is like farmers that are defending their crops in these big mecha suits and it's kind of cool. Uh, the witness will fuck with your head. Uh, it's interesting twist, and you 
might not get the twist till about like 10 seconds before it actually happens. And you're like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, then after that, you spend a good five, 10 minutes just thinking about what you saw and it's kind of fucks with you. Uh, helping hand. Um, let's put it this way. It's something you wouldn't think about when you're watching these space movies. Um, I mean, maybe you would, but I know I didn't until I saw this and I was like, damn. Um, okay. Uh, anything to do to survive space, I guess. Uh, Shapeshifters was a good one. The one that stood out for me, the one that I loved the most, Three Robots. Three Robots is three robots, obviously, um, (laughs) walking through a post-apocalyptic city. And holy shit, do they take their shots at the human race, and it is fucking hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Everything from mocking humans for bouncing a ball. Like, I mean, and they like to enforce the fact that cats are evil. Um, I definitely recommend this. I think it it was entertaining. If there's anything I have to find wrong with it, is that it almost feels like it's trying too hard. Um, I'm going to throw out a second Lurker's recommendation to further my point uh there was an anime from 1987 called wicked city wicked city is very cyberpunky very futuristic whatnot uh but the difference between the two okay so wicked city has nudity it has violence it has vulgarity it's it's very adult um as a matter of fact there's (laughs) there's parts of it that seem almost like it's bordering on the hente kind of side of things but it helps further the story. Now, with Love, Death, and Robots, some of the quote-unquote nudity that was drawn into these pictures really does nothing except just offend. Um, And sometimes I find that that's kind of a detracting factor. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed Love, Death, and Robots. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was definitely... um, It was interesting. It's not something you see every day on Netflix, so... Yeah, it's definitely worth the watch. I'm not going to lie. I mean, if I was going to rate it, I'd give it an easy 8 out of 10. It's a lot of fun. But, like I said, some of, especially, um, like, uh, what's the one episode? The Dump. So, The Dump is basically a, it takes place in a, a dump. Um, but you got, like, these old guys that, like, it's kind of street trashy in a way because it's, like, you know, people living in the city dump, whatnot. But at, at times, there's, like, they're, they're, they have the guys walking around with no pants and they're, you know, their fucking schlongs are hanging out. And it's like, okay, why? Like, unless you're just trying to show like just how trashy these people are. But I mean, it really does nothing to help the story. It's like, okay, you're trying to be edgy. I get it. Um, where with, with an anime like wicked city or, I mean, go further back, you know, like a movie like heavy metal and stuff like that, where the nudity kind of was needed in order to help the story a bit. Um, well, heavy metal, eh, debatable, right? But, I mean, <laughs> it, it's there for a reason, right? Where this, with Love, Death, and Robots, it seems like it's trying to offend you. It's trying to be NSFW. And, I don't know, for myself personally, it seemed like it was just a little... It, it's not that it offended me. I didn't give a shit. I was like, all right, whatever. It's a penis. I've seen those before. <laughs> I think I have one. Um, but, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, it, it's, it is what it is. It, it's Like I said, it's still entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Definitely Lurker's recommendation of the week. Um, 
If you haven't already seen it, give it a shot. Keep your mind open. Uh, you're going to see some shit. <laughs> you're going to see, like I said, especially uh, the episode The Witness or the the short The Witness. Uh, that's it's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's about it. That's about it. I want to get into this movie cause this is, uh, going to be, um, fun <laughs> for a lack of better terms. Fuck. I hate when I just wake up and start recording these things, but, um, yeah, we're going to talk about Ninja three, the domination. Uh, but first as, as per usual, I'll drop the trailer and when we come back, it's Ninja stars, it's big hair, and a lot of other stuff that I'm saving for after the break. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. Who are you? I want you to help her. Only a ninja destroy a ninja. Her only hope is your mother. The Master Ninja, who has been sent to destroy him. Where Revenge of the Ninja left off, Ninja 3 begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. Well, if there is a slogan that best suits this movie, <laughs> I could have had a V8. Remember that slogan? Way back in the day. Um, yeah, okay, V8. Um, I will explain, don't worry. Oh boy, okay. So, like I said, this episode is actually the blessing in disguise that has helped re-inspire me for this podcast. Uh, movie at hand? Ninja 3 The Domination. Uh, yeah, because... Yes, when I started What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero over a year ago, this was, you know, definitely on my list of movies to review. <laughs> Not! Uh, but hey, it is what it is. It's a um, listener request uh, from Justin Voorhees on Instagram. Thank you, Justin. Uh, I know you're laughing your ass off already. Because, <laughs> because when I announced I was doing it, he was laughing. Um... Yeah, this this one's a, a good one. Um, you know what? Let's just get right into it because there's a. I actually wrote down quite a bit for this movie. Uh, believe it or not, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, the movie, so it was released September fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. Uh, mark that date as one of those days a great Oscar winning movie came out. Uh, not okay. So directed by. Sam Furstenberg, and he's done a lot of movies, <laughs> a lot of movies that are not Oscar winners. Movies like Ninja 3, obviously, uh, American Ninja, American Samurai, <laughs> Cyborg Cop, Cyborg Cop 2, Blood Warriors, 
spiders to the breeding ground and break into electric boogaloo oh yes um I, I have something to say about that actually so i went thrift store shopping last week and believe it or not for three dollars guess what this guy picked up yeah break into uh <laughs> wow okay so as a kid i used to love this movie um as an adult i'm like this explains so much <laughs> no wonder i'm a walking fucktard uh I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a bit more about that movie in just a moment. Uh, the producers. Let's keep moving forward. Moving forward. Uh, producers: uh, Yoram Globus and Menahem Golan. Uh, you uh, may have seen like Golan Globus Productions. Um, they did a lot of movies. Uh, well, definitely in the 80s. Um, as a matter of fact, I think they're even responsible for da -da -da -da, Masters of the Universe. I believe that was theirs as well. Oh. Yeah. All right. So the movie was written by James R. Syke, and the music was done by Udi Harpaz and Misha Segal. Uh, I mentioned the music because for those of you who love your synthwave, oh yes, there is lots of that in this movie. Um, the runtime is 92 minutes for the North American release. However, in the UK, a minute and 12 seconds were removed from the theatrical version because all scenes with ninja stars being thrown had to be cut from the film. I couldn't find a reason why. I assume it was just the censors over in the British, like in Britain, were like, uh-uh, that's too violent. Violent, really? Um, yeah, because there's so much blood in this movie. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, the budget for this film. Nobody fucking knows. They don't know what they spent on it. Um, it did gross, however, $7.6 That is... 7.5999999 million more than I would have fucking expected. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this this movie. Um, your cast, your starring cast. Um, okay, so Shogo Sugi is the ninja in the movie. Um, he was kind of like the 80s version of Bruce Lee, I guess. And it, it was interesting because... I saw, like I said, I saw these movies when I was a kid. Well, I said that for Electric Boogaloo, Breaking 2. But same same applies for Ninja 3 and Ninja 2. And, um, well, it's Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja were the uh, the first two. Well, <laughs> reverse order. Um, but, yeah, they were the first two films uh, for these ninja films. And uh, Shogo Sugi was in them. I remember, like, being a kid and, you know... <sighs> Not only did I read, like, Fangoria and stuff like that, but there was a lot of, like, ninja magazines back in the day um, when I was a kid. I, I remember, I think, I want to say I was in grade five, and we had to have, like, for art class, you had to have, like, this scrapbook, which, you you know, you did all your drawings in. And my scrapbook consisted of a lot of ninjas, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and Jason Voorhees. Um, <laughs> but uh, Shogo Sugi was a name that actually back in the 80s we knew quite well. Um, I mean, it... Obviously, there's people today that still know his name and whatnot, but I mean, nowadays you have your Jet Lees and your Jackie Chans and whatnot, and Shogo Sugi kind of disappeared in the wind. Um, but yeah, he's he's the starring like the, the the big name that was brought in for this movie. Uh, he plays Goro Yamada, 
And then your lead female, uh, Lucinda Dickey, who was in Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes, <laughs> I said I bought that movie for three bucks. I watched it. Oh, my fucking God. What was I thinking? Um, she plays, uh, Lucinda plays Christy Ryder in this film. Um, and I guess, I don't know. Um her acting is not that good, uh, <laughs> to put it lightly. It's not that good. Um, but, I mean, hey, she's the lead female. Um, more on that in a bit because I do want to talk about this next guy, Jordan Bennett. Okay, so when you're watching this film and you see Jordan Bennett, you think, hmm, he looks like a Paul Reiser knockoff. Until he takes his shirt off and he looks like George the fucking Animal Steel. Uh, this dude has a serious hair back problem. Um, like, the hair on his back, he could make a fucking carpet out of this shit. And half the movie, he keeps taking his shirt off. It's kind of fucking weird. Um, he, he plays Billy Secord. Um, he should play Billy the Rug because, holy fuck. Like, don't... You know what it is, and don't get me wrong, I'm not making fun of people that have hair on their back, whatever, it is what it is, you know, I have, like, a few little strands, like, uh, mine's not bad, but, um, but there are some people that have that, whatever, our bodies do what they do, we can't control it, but, well, we can, we can shave it off or whatever, but it's just, you know, you don't see that in movies today, today everybody is about, like, looking buff and looking beautiful, looking Chris Evans, you know, and then you have, you, you watch this movie and, it's kind of like Toxic Avenger, like in, in Toxic Avenger, everybody you see in that movie is like ugly and they're not like beautiful and gorgeous. And but you know what I mean? Like they're they're normal people, people you would see on the street every day. And at least most of them would keep their shirt on, though, because this dude, I don't know. Uh, it was just, it was alarming. I, and I mean, as a kid, like I said, like I watched this years, 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 years ago. Cause I'm such an old man and I forgot all about this. And then I watched it and I'm like, Whoa, shit. Um, okay. The hair on his back is a fucking starring cast member in this movie as well. Um, James Hong, James Hong, you actually know James Hong. Uh, James Hong has been in Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Blade Runner, and um, The Last Sharknado. I had to throw that one in there. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he plays Mayashimi. Um, uh, but you you know him. Uh, he's uh, he's been in movies. Uh, <laughs> he, actually, I'm thinking he was probably like the big name that they brought into this movie. Um, Aside from one other that I'm going to mention in a few moments, uh, David Chung, uh, who was also in Repo Man, uh, he plays the black ninja Hanjaru or Han Hanjuro, Hanjuro. God, I'm horrible with fucking names. Like, what the hell? But um, he he basically plays your your um, your antagonist of the film. Um, he's like the ninja that dies, and his soul passes on into. Um, Lucinda Dickey's character of Christy Ryder. Uh, more on that in a moment, by the way. Um, Dale Ishimoto plays Okuda. And the other name that was kind of famous, uh, and I recognized it as soon as I saw it too, John LaMotta, who, if, for those of you who watched the TV show ALF, um, he was Trevor Rockmonic. Um, yes. And it was interesting because when I watched the movie, I didn't recognize him. How bad is that, eh? Uh, but yeah, he plays the character Case. Um, so, 
Synopsis. The synopsis for this uh, movie is a telephone line woman who teaches aerobics classes is possessed by an evil spirit of a fallen ninja when coming to his aid. The spirit seeks revenge on those who killed him and uses the female instructor's body to carry out his mission. The only way the spirit will leave the aerobic instructor's body is through combat with another ninja. Um, so, basically, Christy Ryder... She finds this ninja who is fallen and he's injured and he's dying, even though like he got shot like a bazillion fucking times and hardly had any blood on his body. But all right. So anyways, she finds him. He passes on his sword to her, which has his spirit in it. And all of a sudden his spirit is inside of her and she becomes like this like killer ninja and. Uh, more on that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and anyways, the only way that that spirit is going to leave her body is if she faces Shogo Sugi because he is like our protagonist of the film. So what did I think about this fucking movie? Well, it's a serious WTF movie. Uh, yes. A lot of the times you're watching it, you're going, what the fuck am I watching? Um, uh, on a bright note, kick-ass music score. For those of you who love your synthwave, and I am one of those, uh, it's got a great killer soundtrack. I will say that. There is some great fucking music in this movie. And then there's your cheesy 80s tunes as well, which are by no-name artists. Um, I was looking it up, and I didn't write them down because... Honestly, I don't think anybody would even know who the artists were. Um, I think it was only one, actually. Um, but the the score, the score is awesome. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, When the score kicked in in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, hmm, well, this I like. And then the rest of the movie happened, happened and I was like, mm, okay. Um, the fight scenes, some of the most laughable shit you will ever see. Like, I mean, okay. We are spoiled in this day and age where, like, fight scenes look like these people are actually beating the shit out of each other. I mean, and this is no, like, like last week I talked about Roddy Piper and Keith David, and I talked about, like, you know, like how they're, they choreographed their fight scene and it looks so real. And, you know, in some cases they were actually hitting each other. Um, this is not the case with this movie. Um, even with Shogosugi, who is, like, you know, a trained ninja and whatnot. Uh, you can see like these feet don't even connect with faces. Uh, you see the air, the gap between, you know, face and foot. Uh, it's, uh, it's, there's times where it's like, seriously, like there's more air between that than an air ball in basketball. Like, I, I don't know, it's a bad joke, whatever, I'm moving on. Uh, but the opening scene to this movie is fucking nuts. Uh, it's, it's fun. Um, like I said, the fight scenes are garbage uh, there's no blood like you see like he, he's like the ninja's like cutting people with his ninja sword and shit like this his katana whatever the fuck you want to call it and nobody's bleeding um it's not like itchy the killer where there's blood all over the fucking place um no this is not that um but i mean it, it starts off like there's this big like golf course fight which is kind of funny because like your your antagonist ninja like picks up like a golf ball and he crushes it in his hand but you can definitely tell like as he's crushing it it looks like a ping pong ball um and you're like wait what uh, uh okay um could you make it look a little bit more believable and that's the thing like there's another scene too where like there's like a, a one of the like uh, pool table balls gets cut in half by like a ninja sword and it just looks bad it's like 
Hmm. Okay. Low budget, I guess. It's probably why they didn't want anyone to know how much they spent on it because they probably didn't spend a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> and like in that opening scene as well, like in, as I was saying earlier, you know, like a, there's like a dozen cops, they're shooting this fucking ninja. And oh, he does this thing where he like, he puts like a smoke bomb in the ground and he hides himself under the sand. It's like, okay. But the interesting thing is, is you have like a circle of cops all shooting this one guy. They're not shooting each other, which is kind of weird because all their guns are pointed upwards. So you would think bullets would go astray and hit the other cop on the other side, but no, uh, that doesn't happen. And, um, uh, and and let's let's face it. I mean, uh, cops with guns are no match against a, a ninja in a cloth robe. Your bullets are pathetic to him. Like pff, America, your puny guns—they mean nothing to ninja-san. Like, okay. Like it's just—it's funny because like even like when Christy Ryder finds this ninja, which this is the interesting thing. She's up on like a telephone pole and she's like fixing wires or something up there. All this gun shooting, all this fighting, and it literally happens maybe about 20 feet away from her, and she never heard a fucking goddamn thing. Wait, what? How? Like, she looks down on the ground, and she sees this ninja struggling to walk, and he falls to the ground, and she goes and helps him, and it's like, how did you not hear all the gun shooting? And how, like, how are you not alarmed by this? Not to mention, it's not every day you find a ninja, like, walking, you know, past you, like... Ninjas are quiet, they're hidden, they're not supposed to be seen, and yet you see this ninja. Like, okay. Anyways, so yeah, that's how they forward the plot on, because then he hands her his sword. That's covered in blood all of a sudden. Even though everyone he stabbed and sliced and diced and, you know, chopped apart, never bled. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the very little blood thing is is is... is funny it's but yet then there's other times in the movie where there is like a lot of blood so i, I don't know um <laughs> uh 80s fashions uh anybody or, yeah this movie's full of them um the aerobics uh like the the aerobics class and whatnot that is purely out of a fucking 80s movie um getting back to my earlier point just quickly because i didn't kind of finish it up anyway so he hands off the sword and as he hands her the sword like the ninja hands christy Ryder the sword and you can tell that something has just happened. She has been reborn as something new and yeah, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, and like, you know, like the, there's the interrogation scene with the cops and then that's when Billy Secord, our, our Paul Reiser lookalike with all the hair on his back decides he wants to hit on her while she's being interrogated. Like, okay. Uh, first off buddy, instead of, uh, hitting on this girl, like, uh, Go get your back waxed, but I really need to get off that kick. But it's, seriously, it's alarming when you see it for that first time. You're like, what the fuck? Um, and Lucinda Dickey herself, like when you, okay, I'll be honest with you. Electric Boogaloo, Breaking 2, uh, not the best fucking movie in the world. But she's a lot cuter in that movie. Um, this movie, she's got like the big hair going and stuff. Um she looks like, well, it was weird when I was watching it. I was like, you're like a secondhand, like Linda Blair, uh, kind of with like, you know, I mean, obviously she was known for being a dancer and whatnot. So that's why they probably picked her for this role. Cause she could move and choreograph her body to like, seem like she's a ninja and whatnot. But, um, bad acting galore. Jesus Christ. This made Savage Streets look like it was like an Oscar winner. Um, but yeah, like I said, she, 
I I think I and it's interesting because as a kid, like I like I said, I loved Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. I kind of realized why. I mean, she is really cute in that movie. Um, but then there's this, and <sighs> okay, so the movie is listed as a action horror film. This movie is not scary at all. It, the The horror elements come from the whole mystical creature like thing that like the whole idea of the spirits being passed. Um, it's like a martial arts meets the exorcist kind of movie. You know, there's all demonic possession and whatnot, but this movie is not scary. This is not a scary movie at all. It's a cheesy movie. Lots of cheese. Um, like a ton of it. The dialogue is fucking bad. The, the acting is bad. The, the choreo, the choreography of the, of the fights is bad. And yet I kept watching. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> The movie's got a cult following. I'm not gonna lie; I can see why. Uh, it is. It's definitely. It, it's. It's fun. Um, I mean, even if I had a patch over one eye with a a, a, sl- a slit in it, I could see why. Yes, that is actually a thing. So Shogo Sugi's character, um, Goro Yamada, uh, he he's wearing a patch. And the interesting thing about the patch is there's like a slit down the middle of it. Um, so I'm assuming that's so he could see out of it while he was acting, pretending he's like missing an eye or whatever. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I've seen fan films and student products, student projects, products, projects with better production value than this. Um, but I can see why people love it. I, 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 it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Why should it? Uh, (laughs) it really doesn't. Um. You know, it's the V8 scene. Okay, so there is a scene between Lucinda and Jordan, uh, Christy Ryder and um, Billy Secord. They're going to have sex together. Of course, there's a sex scene, but they don't show anything except that she cocks her head back, takes a can of V8 tomato juice and pours it down her neck to go down to her breasts, and he starts licking it up. I am not lying. This is actually a fucking thing. This actually happens in the goddamn movie. I'm watching it, and like I said, it's been decades since I saw this movie, and I totally forgot about this scene. I won't ever again. Let's put it that way. It's now been burned into my fucking psyche. But (laughs) yes, a V8 sex scene. You have to be fucking kidding me. This is the most least erotic fucking scene I have ever seen in a movie. Like, I'm watching Top Gun last night and thinking this is more erotic than this fucking shit. And I'm talking the volleyball scene. Oh, wait. What? No. Um, (laughs) No, but like, seriously, like, this movie was just like, ugh. And yet I kept watching. I, for some reason, this movie has that appeal. I guess it's also, this movie exists for us horror and podcast hosts, you know, especially us bad ones. Uh, we get to tear this movie apart and still love it. Um, it's the kind of movie that makes us look good. Uh, yeah, right. Um, quickly, <laughs> there's the final battle. The final battle between our evil ninja and our hero, Shogosugi. And... Like, the ninja sword at one point is sticking out both ends of our bad ninja. Like, and yet somehow or another, okay, he falls down this cliff. He's able to walk back, like, climb up the cliff. He can he can climb up, but he's got this fucking sword sticking out of his chest and his back. 
How? Like, first off, the pain would be excruciating. Not to mention, in most movies like this, you know, someone's got a sword or a knife sticking out of them. What do they do? They pull it out before they start attempting to do their next move. This guy leaves it in there. It's just fucking just there. It's like, right, okay. Um, I don't know. I, and all of this taking place to in an actual 80s synthwave soundtrack. Like, actual 80s. Like, it's kind of interesting. I recently just discovered this song. Uh, by FM84 called Running in the Night. And I know, it's been around a couple years. I'm late to the party. It's probably one of the first actual synthwave songs that I've heard that actually feels like it could come from the 80s. If you took that song and plopped it in this movie, God forbid, don't do it, but if you did, it would fit. Um, the synthwave music in this movie is awesome. It is definitely one of the high points to this fucking movie because there's not many. Um Aside from the fact that it, this is one movie you don't have to be drunk to laugh at. I'm sure if you were drunk, it's going to be twice as funny, but it's funny nonetheless. Like, I watched it sober, obviously, because, like, when I do these things, I have to watch movies sober so I can remember what I'm watching. And, and yeah, I watch this and I'm like, all right, I'm, I, you got my attention. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I know earlier I, I recommended Love, Death, and Robots. Before you do that, watch this. Like, seriously, watch this fucking movie. Um, it's a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb. I'm not going to stray too far from that. For me, it's a 5 out of 10. Uh, it's definitely not a good movie. It is not good. But it's entertaining. It is funny. It, it had my attention. It, it has appeal to it. So... I'm not, as much as I want to tear this movie apart, which I basically did, um, no, it's, it's not horrible. Uh, horrible in the sense of like, you're not going to sit there and go, I want those 92 minutes of my life back. Well, maybe you would if you don't have that sense of humor, but if, if you're like me and you're, well, you must be cause you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a movie. It's there. I can see why I, what, who is it? Is it Shout Factory? I think just re-released it on Blu-ray. It does have a Blu-ray release and I believe it's Shout Factory that re-released it. And I can understand why. Um, that's about it. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I've actually spoiled quite a bit. Um, <laughs> spoiled a movie that came out in 84 what are we talking there uh 35 years ago this movie's 35 years old um yeah ninja 3 the domination thank you justin Voorhees on instagram for recommending it because like i said it's kind of given me a new direction for this podcast this podcast is going to do some different things um because like I said, the past year I've done a lot of A-list movies. I've done a lot of movies that are recent. I've done a lot of movies that I love. And it's hard to have fun with a movie that you love. I mean, yes, you can have fun with it. You love it. It's, you know. But there, there's no laugh factor to a movie. Well, depending. I mean, Return of the Living Dead, there's a lot of the laugh factor of that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to... Uh, let's say more take it in a direction of like riff tracks or mystery science theater, you know, do something fun with the podcast and try some new things. So you're going to see some different titles coming out in the future that you're going to be like, what the 
fuck is he thinking? Well, that's why. Because bad movies are fun to talk about. Not that good movies aren't fun to talk about, but I can't constantly keep doing movies where I'm like, it's a 10 out of 10. Like, well, I could, but I, I want to change things up. So this was the movie that I was like, I like the direction this is going. So what lurks beyond what lurks beyond? No, what lurks beyond? Wow. I can't fucking talk. See, this is why never podcasting 101, everyone. Never record a podcast 10 minutes after you've just woken up. Never. Don't do it. Don't be like me. I haven't even finished my coffee yet, and I'm trying to sit here and talk, and I can't even tell you the title of my own fucking podcast because I'm that fucking... I'm out of it. Um, What lurks behind Podcast Zero? Uh, Yes, that's the name of my podcast. Um, Well, that's really good. I'm glad you finally figured it out, dumbass. Um... Anyways, that's that. Uh, yes, this is the, the direction of the podcast is going to veer a little, but it'll still be the same podcast. Still going to be fun. Um, on that note, thank you for listening. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's tell you where you can find the podcast and what next episode is so that I can go back to bed because I think I need to. Um, TheNextLevelNetwork.com. That's where you find all the podcasts. You find this podcast. You find DC Primetime. You find The Caffeine Crew. You find Thoughts with T&B. You find This Week We're Talking About. There are so many awesome podcasts on the network. Go check them out. I know when I get my chance to listen to podcasts, um, which... I have a confession to make, guys. Okay, so because next week you might not get an episode from me. And the reason why is this. Okay, so as you know, this year I've been very sporadic with my episodes. Uh, Life has not been easy. I try not to bitch about it too much, but things have really changed. And I don't get to do a lot of the things I used to do. Uh, My podcast listening has kind of dropped off the map as well um all my favorite podcasts i'm episodes behind but that doesn't mean that i don't love them and it doesn't mean that i don't want to listen to them it's just things have changed um especially with this week this week is going to be a busy week a little bit on the stressful side uh my dog walter walter wally 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 is going under the blade this week uh he's had bladder stones for some time and we've tried everything. We've tried seeing if he could pass them. We've tried having them, you know, dilute and whatnot and dissolve and all that good shit. And none of it has worked. He now officially has to go under the blade as of Thursday. So there may not be an episode for next week because depending on what he's like will depend on whether or not I have time to even record an episode. Should I record an episode? The next episode will be my Ghost in the Shell episode, which I'll be talking about both the anime and that 2017 live-action film. So, I kind of jumped over the uh, where to find the podcast and jumped right to next episode, so we'll backtrack. But I just wanted to explain that so that if anybody's wondering, you know, like, oh, hey, look, two weeks in a row we get an episode, and then all of a sudden there's not an episode, that's why. There is actually a reason behind it, so... um, Going back to where you can find the podcast now, thenextlevelnetwork.com. Um, nextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero is where you'll find this podcast. 
or you can also go to what lurks behind podcastzero.com. Uh, it's uh, the website that I created for this podcast. I don't do a whole lot on it. Again, like I said, been a bit of a rough year. I'm trying to do more. Uh, eventually, you will see more entries on there. But as it stands right now, it's pretty much been this week's episode is um, on the social media, Facebook, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero on Twitter, WLB. Slow down. WLB podcast underscore zero is where you will find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe and follow it on iTunes, Google, Spotify. Um, yeah, that's that. Uh, I really need to get back to bed. So, <laughs> scatterbrained. I'm about as I, I, I. This episode I make about as much sense as this fucking movie did. But um, no, seriously, as much as like I said, the five out of ten for me. I still recommend this movie just for a good fucking laugh. Seriously, watch it pure 80s cheese it's it's a blast that's it for me i'm out i'm officially dead uh, well i've been brain dead since the day i was born but i'm not lying when i say that actually did you know i'm epileptic i never do i ever i don't think i've ever mentioned that on here yes i am epileptic and not just my podcasts either like i'm actually there is a part of my brain that's dead so when i say i'm brain dead i'm not lying Honesty first. Um, Okay, that's that. Time to peel out of here. You guys have been great. Thank you for listening. Next episode, Ghost in the Shell. Keep lurking, guys.